Uh, my name is Paul. If we haven't had the opportunity to meet yet, uh, we are wrapping up a series today called You in Five Years. Because there's a reality, there's dreams, there's things that you should pursue in your life that you just can't accomplish in a week, a month, or even a year. There's some things that if you want to go after them, it just takes more time, it takes more foresight than that. Because you know the reality exists in your mind that if you so determined, if you really decided to today, you know that you could learn another language and five years from now you could be fluent in it. I mean, just even in your spare time, you could pick it up, you could learn Spanish on Duolingo, and you could do that if you really wanted to. Five years from now, you could pull that off. Five years from now, I mean, if you so decided to stop brushing your teeth, five years from now, you could have no teeth left, and you would just be experiencing a very different world where all of your food is liquid. Like, I mean, five years, your life could look very different than it is right now. There's things that we could pursue, both negative and positive, that five years from now could really change our life. On this whole topic of foresight and kind of looking ahead, uh, one person from history that has a lot of good things to say about it is actually Dwight Eisenhower. He was a World War II five-star general. He was the president of the United States. He had some notable accomplishments. I mean, first of all, those things are pretty notable accomplishments, right? Five-star general, president of the U.S. of A. I mean, he pulled some stuff off. Did you know that he's also responsible for starting NASA and getting NASA started? The interstate systems, the fact that we have roads that go between the states now that are more organized, he's responsible for that. That, that um, the civil rights, he was the first person to, to enter new civil rights legislation since the end of the Civil War. He ended the Korean War. He welcomed Alaska and Hawaii to become official states of the United States of America. All of those things that he started didn't really have significant impacts in that month that they started, but had tremendous impact on the years to come. I mean, if you can drive to Ohio or if one day you can fly up to the moon, you really have him to thank and his foresight. And he, he said this about looking ahead. I have two quotes for you. I want to give you the first one because it kind of sets up his framework in the second one that I think you need to understand. The first quote says, I have two kinds of problems, the urgent and the important. The urgent are not important, and the important are never urgent. And what he's speaking towards in this situation is the reality that things that often feel urgent, that interrupt our day, it's like, we got to make dinner right now. I mean, yeah, we need to do that, but in the long run, what you ate for dinner on January 24th on Friday night really isn't going to change your life a whole ton. And we allow these things that feel urgent to push us away from things that really do add up to importance. A lot of times the things that feel urgent really aren't important. And so with that context, we're going to get into this second quote that, that I think is beneficial for us today. He said, who can define for us with accuracy the difference between the long and short term? Especially whenever our affairs seem to be in crisis, we are almost compelled to give our first attention to the urgent present rather than the important future. And I don't know how you would summarize the last five years of your life. I don't, I don't know if you feel like I've come a long way and changed a great deal, or if you feel like you've just been treading water in your debt situation, your marriage situation, your career situation just hasn't changed because you've just been trying to keep the status quo where it is, and that's been hard enough, and so you haven't improved. I don't know where you're at in those things, 
But I do know that if you allow the urgent to consume your energy and your attention day after day, you will not be freed up to go after the important things that will matter. The things that will make you look back and be like, wow, so much has changed in the last five years. And today as we wrap up this message, this is kind of what I just really want to push on you about, is the realization that we have an opportunity to use our time in a way that it will make a difference in the future. That that we have a choice about how our time is used. And this is going to be the heartbeat of where the message is, that, that our time is spent, it's not found. Our time is spent, it's not found. You will choose how to spend out your time through your day. And you can spend it on things that don't matter, but we have this concept in our mind that, oh, we'll find time to go on a date as a couple later. We'll find time to to be with the kids. We'll find time to read scripture later. We'll find time for these things that we know are important. We'll find time for it. But the reality is you don't get to find extra time at the end of the day. Like there's no bonus hour that comes up without losing an hour to something else that should have been important. And so we need to look at our time that we have And we need to choose to spend it on things that matter. The passage that we're going to be studying today, the main passage is from 2 Corinthians chapter 6. If you have your Bible, you can get opened up to there. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And we'll project these words up on the screen as I read them. In the first part of this, I have a little blank spot because I just want want you to see the emphasis of this. In verse 1 it says, As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness. That would be a bad place to end the sentence. That's not where it ends. But it's just interesting, like the way that it starts out, as God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then forget it. And then forget it. There's this caution that, first of all, there's an identification that what God has to offer us is a a marvelous gift. And, And I want to tell you that when I first kind of heard people talk about things from God as being like super exciting and a marvelous gift. I was like, you're a religious wacko. Like, I I don't get what you're saying. Because when we hear about God's grace, and we know that God's grace is there, it's very different than when we have personally experienced God's grace. There's a difference between knowing that Christ lived a life that was really good and he died on the cross and then he rose again. There's a difference between knowing that and and realizing and experiencing that Christ lived a life that I am not capable of living. He lived a life where he chose the right choice every single time. He never sinned. And then when he died on the cross, he died to pay a penalty that I owed. And out of his love and his grace... God has given us the righteousness that Christ earned, and Christ has bared the burden that we deserved. And when we recognize that we have been given this gift that we could never earn, and we've received it, and as Scripture said, we've believed in our heart and confessed with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that we take possession of this incredibly life-changing gift of grace and love and joy, and we see it that way. But we don't just start seeing it that way. I mean, even the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.16, he's writing about this and he says, at one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we we know him now. There's this recognition that the way that we see him changes. And first of all, I just want to encourage you that that one of the, the most important, the most important foundation for your life, looking at these next five years, saying, I want these five years to be all that they can be, 
is getting that right about who Christ is supposed to be in my life. Because everything else gets built upon that. It changes the way that you see other people. It changes the way that you see yourself. It changes the way that you see your past. It changes the way that you see your future when you have him in his right position. And so, as God partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. Because this is what they're cautioning against. When you see, oh man, this joy and this love that flows out of a relationship with God, it's incredible. I did that once and now I'm just gone. That's not how it works. Like his mercy is supposed to be new every morning. There's supposed to be this ongoing relationship with him where we experience his joy and his love. And when we mess up experiencing his forgiveness just on this ongoing basis, it's, it's compared to a walk, walking with him through life. And so this concept of I'm going to experience it once and then kind of forget about it, it's something that we've slipped into at different points of our life, I'm sure. But this is what the apostles are cautioning us against. And they're cautioning against it, one, because it's destructive for us. To think that we are okay because at one point we prayed a prayer and then we left God behind. To think that, that that's what God designed for us, that's destructive for you. It's also destructive for the people around you. Because they see, okay, that person claims Christ, but they don't really have God in their life. Like, they might check into church every now and then on a Sunday, but man, like, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, like, you see that God really isn't part of the equation. It's destructive for other people. And if we have really experienced this joy and this love that comes from God, man, we have a responsibility, a joyous obligation to share about that good news with other people. We can't just forget about it. We can't just move through life without allowing him to have his place. Like our priorities must take priority in our life. And if God is going to be first and we need to keep him first on Monday morning, on Tuesday evening, we need to allow him to be who he's supposed to be in our life. In verse 2, the passage continues on and says, For God says, at just the right time I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. This whole concept of today is the day, right now is the time, it's interesting because he wrote this letter and he knew that it would get to them, but it's not like he knew the exact day that they were going to be reading it. And in fact, he instructed them to share the letters amongst other churches. So that day that it was read on was going to change, and that day is different now that you're hearing it as well. That's not the point. The point wasn't a specific time and date on the calendar. The point was that while you hear from God, that you will hear from God. And you will feel a time where he pushes on your heart and you're not guaranteed a second run by of that message and opportunity. And so you have have to choose that day, that day to respond to him. And just even getting to this message, there's some interesting things about the way that they they saw the day in in this culture that are very different than how we see the day. The Jewish culture that, that they were largely talking to, they saw the day starting and ending in a way that was founded out of Genesis 1-5. During the creation story, when God is talking about the very first day, did you know that it actually says that there was evening and then morning, and it was the first day? That God, in the way that he designed the world, he actually says, no, it started with a sunset. And so even within the observance of the Sabbath, which was the, the Saturday for, for Jewish people, on Friday night when the sun went down, As the sun was going down, that's when the Sabbath laws would begin because they saw Saturday as starting when the the sun went down on Friday. 
And, and this is just interesting because it's just a whole different perspective because we measure the days kind of like, I'm going to use this. Um, this is not like an orange banded snake. We're not that kind of a church. Um, the, the, there's 24 black marks on here that represent an hour. And we largely think like 12 a.m. is kind of this corner and then 11.59 p.m. is this corner. And so the day starts here and it ends here. And, and th this is significant because, you know, if this is 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, midnight, then, you know, we, we think, okay, the biggest part of our day is this 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Where, where we're working. And when we think of how was your day, we think, okay, how was my work day? And, and what did you accomplish in your day? Okay, what did I accomplish during the, this 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. block? And we think of that as largely being our day. And which is difficult because if we want to accomplish anything, if there's like a dream that God's put in our heart, we try to squeeze it in here somehow, and, and, and this is our day, but we don't think too much like about the 6 o'clock to 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock to 12 o'clock, 1 a.m. to 6 p.m., and 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., 6 a.m. to 8 a.m., um, we, we just think, okay, this is my day. We live in the middle. And so when we plan, like, we, we just, we, we kind of even, I don't know about you, have you, like, lost, like, morning doesn't exist anymore? It's like, wake up, rush out of the house, get to the 9 a.m., and get things started. And it's like we've lost any opportunity of doing anything in the morning in the way that we've lived in our culture. And it's largely because when the sun starts going down, we're like, okay, it's finally time to unwind. And so our culture has changed a lot. Um, we don't see the day as beginning when the sun goes down. And not only that, like Thomas Edison, you guys, we're, we're fans of Thomas Edison around here. He's just across the river. But I got a picture of him. Um, he looks a little bit menacing here. Looks like, you know, he's got some early headphones on here. I don't know if he's doing an impression of a teenager in the future. But, like, I picked the menacing one here because he kind of messed your life up whether you realize it or not. Uh, because before he brought the incandescent light bulb out into the, the public, people averaged 10 hours of sleep per night. 10 freaking hours. Yeah, you, we average now 6.7. That's not better, all right? That, that, and in fact, when you get less sleep, when you get four hours less sleep than what you're used to and what you're supposed to, you are as impaired as someone who just finished their sixth beer. All right, so I know that we've all had the times where it's like we got four hours less sleep than we were supposed to. Let's drive the kids to school. But I imagine that if I was putting my kid on the bus and the bus driver's finishing off their sixth beer, I'd be like, I'm not on that bus today. Like we wouldn't trust our kid to that person. Uh, if we, you know, saw the surgeon walk into the room finishing off his sixth beer, we'd be like, maybe we'll try this somewhere else another day. Like I'm not going to put myself into your care. Um, but, and so why does this matter? Well, if our morning is supposed to start with a time of being still and knowing that he is God, entering into prayer, setting our focus, but if we're up late through the night and not giving ourselves adequate sleep, there's no way that we're going to be able to engage in our, with our Heavenly Father. There's no way that we're going to be able to approach our day with the time and energy that it deserves. We're spending our day the night before, before we ever have the opportunity to do something significant the next morning. We've lost the art of having a morning with our family. We've entered a rush mode. But that all, you know, we set an alarm to wake up in the morning because we're so freaking tired. We need to set an alarm of when we should be going to bed at night so that we can pursue the things we should be pursuing the next day. And this is why it becomes not just a physical thing, but it becomes a spiritual discipline. We've accepted things that feel urgent that aren't important. 
You know, we started off with that quote. It's like, hey, my phone just buzzed. There's a Facebook notification. Hold on, child. This must be important. <laughs> no, emails popped in. They, they might not be advertisements. Hold on, spouse. Let me get to this real quick. And we put the important things on our life on hold for things that feel urgent, but that don't matter at all. And we've all felt this. And so we have to, we have to take back some of these spaces. We have to set up parameters. And so, you know, we, we don't have control too much over what happens during the midsection of our day uh, of 9, you know, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. But when we get to the end of the day, it's almost like we have to kind of create some markers for ourselves. That, that in the morning, that, that there, there's, you know, I put these two knots here so you could kind of see. There's these two points in the day where you really do have freedom. You have the freedom to get up at 6 a.m. and you're like, oh, I couldn't do it. Well, if you went to bed at 10 p.m., you sure could, all right? I get up stupid early on Sunday mornings and people are like, oh, that must be hard. No, I get like seven hours of sleep. I'm okay. That's, that's great for me, but it's because I go to bed at like 8, 8, 8 p.m. Like I, I, you, you make adjustments that you have to make. And if you look at your life and you say, you know what? My morning should be starting off with time with God. My morning should be starting off with time with my children that isn't rushing them through their morning routine, then you have to work backwards and say, okay, well then my night, I need to look and say, okay, when the sun goes down, the things that I do are part of tomorrow. The things that I do once that sun is setting, they determine who I get to be that next day. And if I want to enter into my day having spent time with my Heavenly Father, having, you know, if you want to have a compelling, romantic life with your spouse, then that morning time and that evening time, you have to find ways to protect it. You, you might determine that, you know, during part of this, because this is just one of the questions, when are you uninterruptible with your loved ones? When can no one else touch you while you are face-to-face -face with the people that you hold dear? And I ask that because I know I, too, am just so guilty of not having any time where I am just my wife's or just my kids. My phone, my watch is on my wrist, and it gets the notifications from my phone. And I would say, if you ask me, what are, what are the things that are the most important to you? I'd say my relationship with my Heavenly Father, my, my spouse, my children, my church. Okay, so how do you protect those things in your life? Well, we haven't. Well, let's start. And specifically, that, that, that morning and that evening time, you, you don't get to have that time. Most of us don't get to have that time during the work hours. All of us need sleep. You know, it, it's, it's actually one of the first point. The, the first point that I really want to tell you is, is that you, you need to get sleep. <laughs> like, I mean, it's just that simple. If you, they, they did a study where they took um, a group of people, they found out who gets more than seven hours of sleep and who gets less. And, and then they, they put them through, through tests and they found, of course, the people with more sleep were more effective. But they did something else that I think probably should have been illegal. But, you know, you sign a waiver and you, you sign a waiver. Um, they exposed both groups to the rhinovirus, the common cold. That's kind of wrong, but they did it. And the people who had seven hours or more of sleep, they were three times less likely to get sick. I mean, I mean, getting sleep, it's just so important to your body, your soul, your emotions, your relationships. It's a starting place. You lose that, it's easy for the other things to fall apart. And, and then the, the second thing that I want to move us towards is the, these different areas of our life. We need to go deep in them. 
You, you know, this is the time, this is the opportunity, this is the day of salvation, this is the time that we have to seize moving forward on the things that really matter. And so we want to go deep, first of all, of course, spiritually. We want to go deep spiritually. We want to set goals for ourselves that feel challenging, that feel like, man, if I did that, that, that would just be a, an epic movement. And we want to start slowly pursuing those. Slow steps that move us forward. A journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. And so we want to start praying. We pray for 10 seconds. We pray in a 10 second burst when we start our car. We talked about that last week. And we want to begin to go deep spiritually. Psalm 46.10 is what I referenced before. Be still and know that I am God. Do you have the capacity within you to be still? Have we lost that? If it's challenging to be still, how much more do you think you probably need to pursue that? To have the phone off, just you, just God. Finding that space is designed, it's a need that's designed into you. We also need to go deep physically. Did you know physical exercise is not just about how you look in a swimsuit? Like it's, a, it's, it's more than that and has more ramifications from that. Um, doing some physical exercise will actually for 12 hours change your ability to focus and your ability to relate to other people positively. It's compared to taking a pill of Prozac and Ritalin, right? That's what physical exercise will do for you for 12 hours, which is one of the reasons why it's good to do that in the morning because you don't necessarily need that as much while you're sleeping. You start your day off with exercise. It'll help you in lots of different ways. We want to go deep in that. And plus, there's just something good about finding about how strong your body can be. Once you've accomplished difficult things in the area of your physical training, the things that pop up in the middle of your day, you're like, of course I can beat that. Like, I just made it through that workout. And if you haven't got started for a while, I'll tell you from personal experience, just even starting simple, like jumping rope may not be as easy as you remember it being. Right? Your calves might be a little more sore than you thought just from jumping rope. But we need to get started. This is part of health. And I know so many of you, when I talk about what are your goals for five years down the line, a lot of us say, okay, there's physical goals that I want to reach. You've got to go deep and you've got to pursue that area in a way that's going to change you. And this is important for your kids and your family too. You know, I don't think that it's unrelated that our kids are so much less active than they have in generations past. And we have so many more kids on medication. And if you know me at all, you know that I am ADHD. Like I get the attention problems, but I've learned to manage it. And one of the ways is through starting my day with exercise. It helps so many of us in so many different ways. Our, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit is what scripture teaches us and that we are to care for it and not do things that are destructive to it. We, we are called to take good care of our bodies. We've got to go deep physically. We also need to go deep emotionally. Once again, this is something that has to happen within these two bookends of our day. If we want to have a strong relationship with our spouse, there's conversations that need to be occurring regularly talking about our love, talking about our expectations, talking about our dreams, talking about our relationship with God, engaging in those spaces. So many of us would say, I need deeper friendships in my life. I was like, well, when's it going to happen? Well, I don't know. It'll just happen. I'll find time. No, we don't find time. We spend time. And we've usually been spending our time on things that don't matter. And you need to make the determination to spend your time during these blocks, engaging in relationships that are meaningful and that are beneficial with the people that are in your family and for the people who are like family. 
But once again, all three of these things aren't things that are going to just happen by accident, but they're things that you have to make a determination that they're going to happen. Just at the right time, it says that, that, that he, he made action, that God took action. And then it says specifically, indeed, the right time is now. In so many of these areas, we would say, you know what? I've messed up in the past. My opportunity has gone before me. But the fact is, God says, if, it, if there's breath right now, there's opportunity right now. And you might feel like, well, you know, my body's too. No, no, there's things that you can do to be healthier in your body. There's things that you can do to be healthier in your marriage and in your emotions. And there's things that you can do to be healthier in your spirit. And what he, what he says to us is right now, this is the day, this is the time. Don't let it pass by because it might not come back around again. And there's something about our relationship with God that he rejoices over that even if the step is small, he loves to see the work begin, is what Zephaniah says. Don't despise these small beginnings, for the Lord loves to see the work begin. And so church, all of this series, it's been future-sighted of saying, you know what, what do we want to, our life to look like five years from now? Are we going to be debt-free? Are we going to own a house? Are we going to have a child? Are we going to adopt a child? Are we going to get married? Like, where are these things going to be? What's it going to be like five years from now? But the whole point of figuring out what our life needs to look like five years from now is so that we can start today. Because if you were to hear these messages and, and enjoy them and be encouraged by them, but not figure out a plan of action, the time would be wasted. The whole point, the whole heart of all of this is looking and saying, you know what, today's the day of action. Today's the day of salvation. Today is the day of responding to God's prompting and responding with action. And so within the hours, within the time that you're going to spend, you have to figure out what that action is going to look like. Band, if you guys will make your way up, I'm going to begin to wrap this up. I referenced early in the message of how Paul said, you know, we stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. And then in verse 17, it actually goes into a very famous passage that you're familiar with. And it says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. To begin to pursue the things that are on your heart about your future, it might feel like, man, that's just too much change. Like, I don't know if, I, like, I want to go there, but I don't know if, if people will criticize or look at me weird. Like, it's just too much change for me to even get started. Well, I want to tell you what Scripture says is, is that if you've placed your faith in Christ, you are labeled a new creation. And he says, you're no longer tied to the sins of the past, the mistakes of the past, the pain that other people have brought into your life in the past. You are free of those and you're called a new creation. So it only makes sense that your habits and your actions, that your hours are spent differently. You wouldn't be a new creation and continue to do all of the old things, but you enter into new ways that match up with this new heart and this new life that God is pouring into you. And so you have to have this sense of freedom to pursue what God's put on your heart. You have to have a sense of, of course my life's going to look differently because Christ is involved now. He's not just involved, he's the foundation. So things are going to change. I'm going to spend my time and my hours differently. I was a youth pastor for about 12 years. Um, right after I got out of college, entered in, and I'm pretty sure I aged at least 25 years during those 12 years of caring for other people's teenagers. 
We would go on trips and events and you know, we'd say, okay, we're gonna eat dinner out and everybody's gotta pay for their own dinner. And so like there's one kid, like there's so many kids I saw this happen with, but the one kid, Jonah, is the one who's just so fresh on my mind. Um, Jonah's mom gave him 20 bucks. I'm like, why does a child need $20 to eat at Wendy's? Like that doesn't even make sense. And we stop at a gas station at 8.30 a.m. We're gonna eat dinner at 6 p.m. And he takes his $20 and he spends it all on energy drinks and candy. And I look at him like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm gonna be okay. I won't be hungry later. Yeah, right, 6 p.m. I'm so hungry, Paul. You had $20. You wasted it all. And I'm gonna watch you just sit and be hungry while I eat my hamburger right in front of you is how I felt inside. But I'm a pastor, so I'm not allowed to act like that. So after I watch him be hungry for a little bit, I slide him a $5 bill. Go get some food. And I still want to smack him, but I love him at the same time. But I'm like, you understand, like you had all that you needed and you wasted it. I can give him five new dollars, but I can't give you five new years. You spend your time, no one else can give it back to you. There are opportunities that you have missed, that I have missed in my life, and we can't get them back, but we can choose to grab a hold of this time, of this day, of this future. But if you really are serious about grabbing a hold of it, of making changes, of improving the situation that you're in, it requires specific thought-out steps to get to a specific thought-out goal push the urgent to the side to grab hold of the important, the recognition that your time will be spent, not found. So church, you have a choice about how you will spend, how you will invest your time. Let's pray. God, would you just, in a very straightforward way, speak to our heart and mind about the the steps that we need to take. We thank you that you moved towards us first, that you got this started, and that you give us this invitation that in this day we can respond and we can progress and we can move forward, that we can get our heart right with you, that we are invited back in no matter what's been in our past. So we believe in our heart, we confess with our mouth that you are Lord, that you were raised from the dead to pay for our sins, to give us eternal life and abundant life here on earth. Give us the courage and the wisdom to seize the opportunity of this day. Help us to set a plan. Help us to make changes to the way that we live our nights and our evenings and our mornings so that we can honor you in our lives and in our families. And in this city, in Jesus' name.